All right, good morning, everybody. <clears throat> and you guys thought it was spring, huh? You guys thought it was spring. Here's some cold, some rain. But it's still good. I know we sometimes get into the kind of the habit of saying, man, it, when the sun is shining, it is a beautiful day today. And other times we have to recognize that uh, even if it's rainy and cold out, it's still beautiful, right? And uh, God makes things beautiful, not just the sun or not, okay? All right. Um, I may be a little bit too high there. At least I can hear myself. I feel you guys like shaking as I speak. Maybe that's a good thing. Leave me high. <laughs> um, this morning, uh, we're going to receive an uh, offering this morning. Thank you guys so much for your faithful giving each week. I know that is a challenge. And um, one of the reasons that I continually give is not just because it's in Scripture, but also we recognize that, you know, our regular giving makes sure that we stay free from the total bond, the control of money. It's so hard to kind of hold what we have and to hold it so tightly. And I've learned over my life to hold that loosely and recognize that God gives and God takes away. But you know what? It's all God's, and so I want to be able to give. We give regularly to make sure that there's no material thing that, is, that we're tied to so much that we won't give it up. Even my TV, I will give that up if I need to, right? So that's, uh, that's part of the reason why we give, and it will help you as a discipline over years of giving to become more free from the control of money in your life, all right? All right. <clears throat> Being here today is just not about getting information, although I hope you do learn something every Sunday that we work together. You know, being here today is um, not just about connecting with people, although I love that, and I hope that you feel the power of people and the, someone that knows you and you knowing somebody in that. That's powerful. But see, this is also a really great opportunity, an opportunity for you to encounter God and his will and his desire and his plan for your life. See? The reason why it's an opportunity is because you are here. You're not at home where you've got, looking around, you've got a billion things to do and reminding of all the stuff you've got to do. Right? That's not happening right now. You're not at work right now where you've got a deadline or the stress or somebody looking over your shoulder or whatever it may be. That's not happening. You're in this room and you're here and some of those distractions are put aside. This is an opportunity because it is separate from your normal, regular life or even maybe routine. In Scripture, the concept of holy is all about being set apart and separated for God. We use it in oftentimes in religious terms like this person's holy or those type things. But really what it, what it means is that it's a set apart time, a set apart group or things or people for God. And so while this is a public school, and this was built with public funds for public reasons. And there are students that meet here throughout the week. See, this morning, it's actually a holy place. It's a holy place because we are separate from all those distractions and we're dedicating this time to God and what he wants to do in our life. Okay? And I hope for you that you do encounter God as me, but especially over these next few weeks, I'm going to go and talk about Go a little bit deeper in your hearts and hoping that you would be open to God. I hope that you are open to him today and over these next few weeks. Uh, maybe to put away and maybe take off some of those layers of defensiveness that we all walk in here with. 
think it's natural for us to be defensive and to be guarded. Um, rightfully so, maybe we've been hurt in the past, or maybe we don't trust people and those type things, right? But I'm asking you to be open. Over this next month, I'm going to talk about the lies that you and I tell ourselves, okay? The lies that we tell each other that really <clears throat> have become commonplace for us. We just kind of naturally say it. We just kind of naturally tell ourselves this. We don't pay attention to what's going on beneath the surface. We will oftentimes have something there that we are lying about that we are not even maybe realizing it. So this month, I'm asking you to go a little bit deeper. So actually, even before I continue on, I'm going to pray. Okay? And I want you to just set your heart in that seat where you're sitting to be a holy place. That this isn't about your boss at work. This isn't about how much money is in your bank account. This isn't about your to-do list this week or what's for dinner tonight. That this next five hours that I speak, I'm kidding, the next 20 minutes or so that I share, it will be a holy place for you to hear from God. And I am asking you today, starting today, this whole month really, in the next few Sundays, to be honest with God. God, right now, we just take a moment. Lord, we invite you in this holy place. It is separated for you. This time in our week, this time in today, it's not about anybody else's agenda. It's not about anybody else's interest. It's not about what we want or what makes us happy. This is about you, God. Your desires, your purpose, what you hope for, and the healing that you have for each and every one of us. So as we talk about the lies that we tell, Lord, over this next month, Lord, we just set our hearts open before you. Lord, we don't want to lie to you. We don't want to lie to ourselves. We want to be open and honest today. Lord, we just, I just ask over this time, this next 20 minutes, God, that we would just be open and honest in our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for doing that. <clears throat> Before I read scripture today, I'm going to go over that question, am I okay, that we often answer, I'm okay. We will probably say that to ourselves as a reflex naturally, instinctively, typically we'll always just believe that we are okay. When actually beneath the surface that we are actually not okay. We don't even think twice about it. But I believe that there are some of us in this room, and I think this is the question that we should always be asking of God and to be honest with him, you know, am I okay or am I lying to myself? I'm okay. I'm good. No problem there. Well, I'm just going to put all these up there for you. This is not an exhaustive list, okay? These are some questions between you and God. I don't need to hear your answers. This is between you and God, okay? I would say that oftentimes we don't even know what okay is. We don't even know, I would say, if we're not okay. So we just continue in the rut and what we're at, and I'm okay. I'm good. There's some good questions here to think about as we, again, in a holy moment this morning, not lie to ourselves. I'm praying over this month <laughs> that you won't lie to God, right? You won't lie to yourself. 
And this lie that we say, I'm okay, it's a lie, church. It's a lie that will plague your life. It's a lie that will plague your relationships. It's a lie that will plague all that God wants to do in your life. Am I hiding pain? Is there some pain going on in my heart, some difficult things that nobody knows about? How I cope, maybe something to make myself feel better or to pass the time or to distract myself, to not think about it, to not look within or beneath the surface. Has that become controlling? Can I not stop? Struggle with sin. Am I exhausted? We're all exhausted, okay? But am I exhausted always? Do I never feel the rejuvenation that I so hope for or rest that I so hope for? I'll talk about rest here in a second. Here's some questions. Am I barely just keeping it all together? Maybe you're feeling some physical pain you don't understand. I remember through a really difficult season in my life, I gained probably 20, 25 pounds and didn't even know what was happening. And I just remember thinking, uh-oh. I don't think I'm okay. I remember another difficult time in my life. I had intense stomach pains, you know. I went to the doctor and checked everything out. Everything's fine. He just said, I think you're just stressed. I'm like, no, no, I think there's something else wrong. I, I believed I was okay. Am I controlled by emo my emotions, meaning are, are these things just taking over my life to where that dictates my life and I can't think about God and him or think about what's going on? There's some, just some, this is, I know these are hard questions, okay? And I'm not saying this is an exhaustive list, but typically when we start to say, ask the question, am I okay? Am I healthy? Some of these things should probably pop up, okay, in both church religious circles or, you know, in unchurched circles, not, not religious circles as well. This is kind of some of the stuff that comes up. Am I okay? Are we lying to ourselves? Are you lying to yourself by saying that you are okay? <clears throat> Underneath that lie, I'm okay that you constantly are telling yourself that you're busy your life so much you can't even think about it or you just continue on or maybe you don't even never thought about some of these questions. Underneath that lie, there's a truth that you're hiding. Underneath that lie that I'm okay, that I answer in a question, maybe somebody asks me, hey, how you doing? I'm okay. Or I tell myself, oh, I'm fine. I'm okay. There is, there, there is this truth there that we are hiding, and it goes on for our, really, lives. We are hiding our need for help. Whenever we say, I'm okay, and we're actually lying about it, if we were honest with ourselves, we are hiding this one truth in our lives. We're hiding the fact that we need help. You can fill in the blank on maybe what area of your life or what may, specific thing may be, but we're hiding this. There's this underlying truth that you are hiding, that I am hiding when I say I'm okay. I'm saying I don't need help, and that is a lie, church. I'm going to look at Scripture here in a second. What's also powerful about this is this is human, the human condition. See, you don't have to be Christian or even believe what the Bible says to lie or to hide your need for help. This is a part of social circles. We don't like being transparent around people for fear of judgment, and rightfully so, okay? I'm not denying that. I'll think less of you. You will feel humiliated if they knew you had fill in the blank, if they knew you weren't okay. You don't just walk into work and say, hey, I want to tell everybody here I have an announcement. I'm really not okay. We don't do that. I mean, we're, I mean, it's just a human condition 
to both hide that, right, and, and to hide this idea that we truly need help. And our need for help, and honestly, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not, you need help. It may be even harder for us as Christians to admit this, that we need help instead of us. Maybe it's just harder for us to say, oh, yeah, I need help, instead of the expectation that we should have it all together, right? I think this is maybe a hard one for Christians, but this is our human nature church. This is us, that we hide our need for help and that we need help. And I believe that as a follower of Jesus and believing uh, the, the gospel of Jesus, this really great news that somehow this gospel story, the love and the grace of God should, hum, it should interact, counter, deal with, address. It should matter to, the, to my nature. It should matter to how I live. It should matter to the I'm not okay truth. See, it should matter to the help that I need in my life, that the gospel of Jesus isn't just some, something that we kind of consider maybe one day for later, but we consider right now that there's the gospel story, this incredible thing that Jesus did for us that we talked about last week, right? That this matters for the answer to, am I okay? And we'll say, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. But underneath that, our need for help, the gospel addresses that. And that's what I want us to prayerfully consider today. Are, am I okay? Am I, am I honest with you, God? And to consider how the gospel reacts to that, all right? Look at this passage in um, Hebrews, and uh, scholars still aren't sure who wrote um, Hebrews, but often people consider Paul as the author, but this is what this author says. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, written in the context of persecution, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he didn't sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of what? Need. Okay. We don't kind of take the layers off to show people what's on the inside because we're so scared. We're scared of what people will think, and we're scared of really what we will feel. I hate being humiliated, right? Nobody runs into that. We also are so scared of the unknown. We live our lives in such a way that we kind of cover that up for so long, and we call ourselves survivors, and we kind of get along, go on, and move forward as we think, right? Because we're fear. We don't know any other way to live our lives. We don't know any way to live life where you actually get the help that you need. We don't know how to live a life where we ask people for help. Because, and rightfully so, again, you're in your work situation, that's not a place that's a hospital. That's a place that is about money, and you work for them. And, you know, you, you may have a friend at work, right? And that's awesome. It may be in your home life. Maybe in your families, you never said anything about what was really going on or a pain or a hurt that you had, whether it's a parent relationship or a marriage relationship or a sibling relationship. Maybe that was what went on, and we just continue on with this. And then somehow, as a follower of Jesus, we have this. And this Hebrews is really great explaining really the gospel and the faith through Jesus and what he did. It really is about the uh, this based on the birth of the Christian church out of Judaism and the contrast of what happened there. And, and the writer emphasizes so much about grace and it refers to Jesus as our great high priest, the system that was set up that one person went before God and was the holy one to go before God and to make 
forgiveness for us. And in verse 16, it says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. And that's what I think is the real powerful part about this, is that because of the grace of Jesus, because of the grace of God, we can enter confidently with the I'm not okay. Right? That's it right there. That he will give us grace in our time of need. All right? If you can remember one thing today, I want you to remember this, is that actually it's okay not to be okay because God's grace is better than okay. Well, here, let me explain what I mean by that. So you and I sometimes, often, uh, would judge our lives by if we're okay or not because we think being okay is pretty great. We, think we elevate being okay or being good or being not needing help, right, or being strong, Right? We kind of elevate those things. Hey, I'm good. Everything's awesome. I'm strong. Things are going great. I don't need anybody's help. Awesome. Sometimes we kind of look down on dependency in some ways or needing help from others, right? What's powerful about this is that's not how Christians live. That's actually not how Scripture teaches us to live. It's not the gospel story. It's actually not even how Jesus lived, right? It's not the model of the cross. It's not the model of suffering and his weaknesses that he made bare open his weaknesses and talk about not hiding, ugly and gruesome on the cross. Some people say he hung naked on the cross. Think about that for a second. What we hide and build walls for and defensive about because we keep help away. Jesus did just the opposite and said, I've got enough grace for you. Here's why it's okay not to be okay because God's grace is better. Whether you're okay or not, let's say you were okay, you still need his grace. You will still need his help when you think in your mind of whatever that perfectly okay is. Did you hear that, church? We will stay guarded and isolated because we think, oh, I'm not okay. But if you were okay, you'd still need his grace, church. You'd still need the gospel story. Instead of elevating us being okay and not being okay and being shamed by not being okay, we should run with confidence to God because of his grace. And if you can imagine with me, I should have brought a book, but I, I didn't want to destroy a book. But if I had a book here, and I, it was about a 500-page book, and I ripped out, let's say, 300 pages in different sections throughout that book, and I'm holding that book, right? I got about, what, 200 pages left, okay? Different sections all kind of separated, but I'm holding that book. If I'm holding that book, that book is pretty empty. Again, I didn't want to rip a book. I felt bad about that, so I didn't do it. If I'm holding that book in that big cover with 500 pages, but only 300 pages in it, that book would feel empty, incomplete. Something's missing. Something's not right. And that is exactly how you and I live our lives on this earth when we don't include grace in our lives and in, in looking to him for that grace. It's also how we live our lives incomplete when we do not have the confidence of going to God how we really are. If shame has crept into your relationship with God, you've missed God and his grace, and you've missed the gospel. And you live a life like a book cover missing 200 pages. That is exactly how we live our lives, right? When shame keeps us away from God and we live that way, you cannot take this out of the story. And in your mind and say, you're, you're okay. But you've taken out the confidence of coming before God just as I am in all my shame and nakedness and ugliness, Right? Then I'm living my life and I'm missing out on what God has for me, okay? Secondly, see, God gives grace for every single need. Let me say that again. God gives grace for every single need. The gospel story is Jesus being sent by God to meet our need for our spiritual condition. 
our ultimate greatest worst need, okay? Our most intense need. Now, I know sometimes we think, no, I think paying this bill this week is my most important need. You know, I think getting something to eat this week is my most important need. You know, those type of things we consider. And I hear what you're saying, but in the, in the view of God, our most important need that wasn't being met was our spiritual need of relationship with him. And out of relationship with him comes everything else. To me, that spiritual life is the foundation of my life. It's not like a segment, okay? My spiritual life should affect every other part of my life. My wallet, my, my, my relationships, my parenting. It should affect everything, that I, every decision I make, okay? And his grace is there for all those things too. Here's the thing. I know we celebrate when we get promotions and awards at work. I do too. I never had one, but I just say I would. We celebrate this, and what do they say? Man, you're awesome. You are so good. You are better at this skill than I've ever met before. You are awesome what you're able to do. I recognize that God has given us these skills and recognize that actually this is the grace of God that has allowed me to accomplish fill in the blank and get to where I am or do what I've done. We like to live our lives where we didn't need God's help for that promotion. Wow, I'm awesome. We live our lives where we don't need God's help to stay in that marriage. I'm good. I'm awesome. I'm a great husband. I've gone seven years. Man, I'm awesome. Instead of falling on our face and saying, thank you, God, for your grace. Do you see what I'm saying? Whether it's you made money or maybe you built something. Maybe you're an artist and you created an incredible artistic thing. And yes, I know that's your skill and you did it. But the deeper part of that is it's because of God's grace that he allowed you to do that thing. It is the very grace of God that you have breath in your lungs. It's God's grace that helps us for every single need that we have, church. At the end of my life, um, I don't want to have a celebration of all that I did. I want to have a celebration of the grace of God over my life. It was by the grace of God that I came out of my family and, and had a family. It is by the grace of God that I can do what I do now. It is by the grace of God that I got up every day. It's by the grace of God, by the grace of God, because I want to live my life saying, I've got need, I've got need, I need help, I need help, I need his help. I don't want to live my life saying, I'm okay. What a lie, church. I want to live my life where Nels comes to the throne room of grace, bold, naked, and open with no shame. Boy, that's so hard to do. That's the kind of life, that's the kind of picture of a life we should be living. These are the type of things that will actually heal us, heal us in our life. There were wounds, wounds that happen, hurts and pains that happen in your family, in your work life. I mean, if you've ever been passed up for a promotion or something at work or somebody else is just buddy-buddy with the boss and got a promotion, I hate when that happens, Right? Right in, this, in this crazy system and world, the broken world that we live in, this is, this is what it is. And there are things that will happen in our life that will turn into things that we cope with and become controlling and addictions and so forth in our life. And it is by the very grace of God that he heals us. That's what we just read, right, about his grace. Grace ultimately is God giving us what we absolutely did not work for or deserve. I've kind of heard a good definition of grace this way. Mercy is when you hold back punishment from someone with what they deserve. They deserve that punishment. Grace is giving someone, not just withholding something, but giving someone something they don't deserve or work for. And I want to tell you, church, we've got a lie going on in the room. We've got a lie going on in the hardest territory to conquer our hearts. We've got a lie going on in the hardest room to renovate your heart, I'm telling you. 
The hardest thing to wake up with, it's always there, everywhere we go. We can hide it with Netflix or hide it with this or hide it with, hide it with work or whatever it is, if you're a workaholic, but we need help. And it is when we come boldly into the throne room of grace and we say, God, I need your help, is when God's grace starts being better than okay. Like, I, I don't want to be Superman, I realize that. I don't want to have all the answers. I don't want to hit a home run every time I'm up to bat. I want the grace of God because I want the help of God because what God could do in my life is far greater than I could ever do on my own. I want his grace. I want his help. I want to be open with him because I want the grace of God in my life. The story of Jesus, him being sinless, we just read that, right? Never sinning and feeling, facing the weaknesses of being hungry and tired and exhausted and all these people around him and being betrayed and, uh, by Judas and, and, and left alone in the end and he's in pain and he's humiliated and he's all these people that have so, so, so-called sovereignty punching him and saying that they're the king and he's not the king. And then he's crucified and Jesus raises him from the, uh, God raises him from the dead, right? This gospel story so that you could be healed. You did nothing for that. I wish sometimes maybe that I did do something. Then I got a little angle on God. I've got a little man, God. I, I do good. You got to give me good too. A little angle on God. Hey, God, haven't I given enough money? Come on, God. Haven't I served my time and energy enough? Come on, God. Haven't I sacrificed enough, God? Come on, God. Instead of recognizing that I did nothing for this healing. I did nothing for relationship with him besides saying, yes, Jesus, I believe. I did nothing to deserve Jesus doing this so that I could live eternity with him forever. And eternity matters, church. The gospel story responds directly to the truth that we are hiding that we need help. He gave help. See, we'll turn to other things that don't really give help. They cope, they don't really help or heal. Right? We'll find ways to solve our own problems. We all do it. I got a problem, I'll solve it. Right? I was on WebMD, WebMD, WebMD the other day, and I'm married to a doctor. Okay, this is what I do. Like, I want to solve my own problems, okay? This is our nature to do this, and I'm asking you, church, today, are you okay? Are you okay? When is the last time you've actually asked God for help? When's the last time you've actually admitted to God that, I'm gonna go. <clears throat> when is the last time <clears throat> that you have admitted sin to God? When's the last time you realized that you were always worried? Context of this um, passage that I read about God's grace. It's this context of the rest that the children of Israel never got to have. When I say the word rest, it is literally like a drink of water to my soul. Gosh, rest. That's like a nice Sunday afternoon nap with golf turned on, you know. That is like, that is like sleeping in on like a Tuesday, you know what I mean? It's like rest. And we find that the rest that God truly offers is not just a physical rest because we recognize that Jesus suffered and Paul suffered, but we recognize the theological concept of rest as resting from our work to get what we think we need. That'll exhaust you. Working for what you think you need, it will exhaust you. 
whether it's the love from another person, whether it's more money, right? Whether it's admiration from somebody or being competitive and beating the next person. We work to get what we think we need. And Jesus died and gave his life for you and you don't actually work for this incredible thing that you actually need. Do you see the paradox in that? Do you see the contrast of that? And a lot of these words right here, a lot of these questions, there'll be some kind of underlying work you've got going on. I'm coping. Work, coping is work, folks. It's work to cope and feel better, right? Feeling exhausted. There's probably something you're working at that's not working for you, okay? Um, but I'm always worried. I, that is oftentimes connected to things that we really think we need instead of trusting God, right? And I'm a worrier. I'm an analytical type person. I think about the future and all that. But there's, I'm working for something that maybe I don't need ultimately need, whether it's this or that, that God will be there no matter what happens. Church, there is, it's an incredible amount of energy that goes into working for what we think we need in the gospel of Jesus is receiving the work of another freely. Just to receive that. The gospel is the best story for your shame. The gospel and what Jesus did is the best place for you to take the layers off. I agree. It'll hurt doing that with other people. That's another sermon. Okay, I'm not disagreeing with you. Here's what I do know. You probably won't do it with others if you don't do it with God. But, but God, your relationship with him is the best place to be naked. He already sees it. It's the best place not to be fearful of what he's going to think because he's already done the work to take care of it. That he's already done the work to heal you. It's the one place. Maybe it's not your spouse. I get it. Maybe it's not your grown kids. They got their own life. I get it. Maybe it's not that friend. Maybe it's not your boss. But your relationship with God, that is the best space to actually be you in all your not-so-nice glory, okay? To actually answer these questions honestly, okay? So again, I'm going to ask you today to have another holy moment here, okay? We're not going to do music, actually, during this time, so we'll just have between you and God. How often do you have silence anyhow? Okay, God, that's the last point. Sorry, God gives grace for the real you, meaning you could be real naked before God. So I want to give you another moment here. <clears throat> no distractions in this room right now, okay? I've been saying I'm okay, but right now I'm going to give you an opportunity just with God to be totally honest. Maybe you have missed the mark, which is what sin means, missed the mark on something you see in Scripture. Maybe it is working so hard for you think somebody else will give you, and that's just left you empty. Maybe it is being so worried that you have no peace. Maybe it's a physical thing. Maybe there's some kind of medical thing going on that you're like, where did this come from? You have no idea, but you just kind of move on and stay busy. 
Maybe you've never been honest with anybody else. I'm going to give you an opportunity now. And this is between you and God. I'm going to have you just even now, you can close your eyes and just talk to God. And you can talk to God in your heart. It's totally fine. And just to be honest with God right now. God, right now I'm praying for every person in this room to feel the just incredible um, blessing, really, of your rest. The incredible feeling of being able to be totally honest with you, God, and not to feel shame. Maybe there's shame happening in the home. Maybe there's shame happening at work. Maybe there's shame happening in our hearts wherever we go. But right now, Lord, I pray for no shame. And that we could be totally ourselves with you. Maybe it's a sin, God, I, I need to confess to you. Maybe it's a, God, I, I don't think I'm okay. I feel sick, God. God, I want to be honest with you right now, Lord, and every person in this room, Lord. I, mean, I just pray for your Holy Spirit to guide people even now. Lord, in this quiet, in this silence, God, would you speak? Would you be the one, God, to nudge someone to say, I, I just need help? Maybe today that's you, and you need to just say to God, God, I, if I were to totally be honest, I don't think I'm okay, and I need help. I can't, maybe it's a relationship thing. I, I can't do this. I can't fix this. I can't be enough for this person. Maybe it is a money thing. God, I can't make enough money. What is the deal, God? I can't do this. Maybe you need to say to God today, God, I, I can't fix the mess that I've made. God, I, I can't get out of this addiction thing that's going on. Lord, help me. Jesus, all across the room, I just pray for your healing. You give grace to heal us. I pray, Lord, for people in this room that would be honest with you. And, Lord, that they would begin to rest in the work that you've done for what they actually need. I pray for rest in the work that you've actually done for, that you've done for what we actually need. Jesus, all across this room, Holy Spirit. I just pray for healing, God. Pastor Kenny, I'll invite you to come back up. and I'm going to take a next step this morning, too. I'm asking you to be honest with God. Maybe that means tonight, uh, or in your car, praying alone and being honest. Maybe that means doing that and then telling somebody. Maybe you need to say, hey, you know, I... I don't think I'm okay. Maybe that's me. I don't know. Maybe that's a, a spouse or a friend or another mentor or something. It's someone. Um, maybe that's the next step that you need to take. But I'm going to ask you right now for all of us to stand as we close service today. And I just want you right now to, as a step to say, God, I, I'm saying in this area I need help, God. That's it. And may, again, this may be the only time you've ever done this, but to say, God, I, I need help. To, it, again, maybe there's one moment in your life for so many years to not hide that truth that I need your help, God. Right now, church, if that's you, you're saying, God, I just need help. Again, I don't even know what it is, but if that's you, 
You just want to say to God, this is between you and God. It's not about people seeing anything. It's not about me seeing anything. This is about you and God. For you to say, God, I need help, and I want to ask for help right now today. Okay? It doesn't matter what it is. I don't want you to feel shame in this moment. I want you to feel rest and healing. You can finally be yourself and be okay with God. That's you, church, and you just want to say, I need help, God. I want you to lift your hand today. I'm going to pray over you. I see these hands. Jesus, right now, for every hand lifted, I know this is the big step, God. This is scary. But over every single hand that's lifted and over every single need that is represented, Lord, I pray for your grace. I pray for your grace to help, God. When we, we, Our skills and our abilities have ended. Our energy has ended. God, I pray for your grace to come in and pick us up tomorrow. Lord, I pray for your healing right now, God, that you would actually heal people right now in this area of their lives, God, that has been a stumbling block. Maybe it's being a workaholic. Maybe it's a substance thing. Maybe it's a, a, some other kind of habit thing. Lord, right now there would be healing in this room in the name of Jesus. Lord, I know that you see every hand. Lord, I know that you hear every single person, Lord, being honest with you right now. And, I, and Lord, we are coming to your throne room of grace bold. Bold today to ask for what we've been hiding, to ask for help. And I pray for, for your healing for every single person that raised their hand today in Jesus' name. Church, during these last few songs, I know I'll probably go over a little bit here, but during these last few songs, this, man, this is a holy moment. This is your time and with God. You know, once this service is over, you're back to doing whatever you do, but this is your time. These last few songs, church, I would encourage you to just talk to him, to come boldly to your Father, just as you are, and say, Jesus, help me.